Welcome to Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends, and today I am talking about the great and fantastic film, An American Werewolf in London, 1981. Now, if you like what you see and you hear, please like, share, and subscribe to Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends on whatever podcast you listen to, or also you can follow me on YouTube at Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends. Now, today, as I said, I'm talking about American Werewolf in London. Now, this movie starts off where these two young men, David and Jack, are walking across the moors in northern England, in Yorkshire. And they come to this pub. They're walking through the rain. They come to this pub. And the pub is full of scared, scared people. And they're drinking and they're laughing. And it's in this small, windswept moor um, up in Yorkshire. And those people are not very welcoming. But the guys sit down, and they are the ugliest of ugly Americans. It is, they're New Yorkers, they're highly educated, they're a bit snotty-nosed. They also are very entitled. So they get there, they want to get something to eat. There's no, the people tell them there's no food. They order something to drink. It's like, okay, well, we don't have coffee, but we have tea. She gives them tea. And... While they're laughing and the guys are making fun of them in the pub, they ask about this pentagram that's up on the wall with candles burning. And one guy says to the other guy, he says, well, that's a sign of witchcraft. These people must be interested in witchcraft. And the other guy says, just shut up. And while they're laughing, they point it out. And essentially, the bar kicks them out. And this is the crux of the film. They get kicked out of this bar in the rain. And instead of being, you know, just normal people and acting like, hey, I want to appreciate these people appropriately and not be sort of obnoxious, they are super obnoxious, and they leave. Now, as they leave, as they're getting the warning from these people, the one thing these people tell them to do is stay on the road, all right, and beware of the moon. And these guys choose to leave the road almost immediately. And when they leave the road... Uh, they start to hear this animal, this roar. And back in the pub, the the lady who's running the bar is like, you can't let them go, you can't let them go. And they're like, well, we, we did everything we could do. And they could hear the growling of the werewolf. Spoiler alert, there's a werewolf hanging out in this Yorkshire town. And they can hear the growling. And the guys say, oh, I don't hear anything. And of course they do. And the guys are walking through the moors. They hear the growling. They start to run away from this growling. And as they do, the, the animal circles, circles around them and attacks them. The one guy, Jack, is mauled to death. And the other one, uh, David, is starting to get attacked when the werewolf gets shot. And as he gets shot, he looks over as he is about to pass out. He looks over. And he sees a man has been shot. And then he passes out. He wakes up three weeks later. Three weeks later, and he's in London. Well, in London, um, he's being taken care of by this young lady, this young woman who's a nurse. uh, And she is inappropriately interested in him. And he tells the story to those police officers. And the police officers say they were attacked by rabid dogs. And he's like, no, 
were attacked, were attacked by a man. No, they were attacked by a man, not a rabbit dog. They were attacked by a man. And instead of that, he says, no, uh, we've been attacked by this rabbit animal. And the police don't believe him, and he thinks he's losing his mind, and he sees his friend Jack, who is um, dead, telling him that he's going to become a werewolf. Um, a couple weeks later, um, right before the new full moon, the nurse who he has gotten really close to invites him back to his ho- her house. And he goes back to her house, and they have relations, and they're all together. And he then decides that he doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want to leave. He wants to be with her. But he keeps seeing visions uh, of Jack. And Jack is further de- decomposing. And one night he turns into a werewolf. And he ends up killing six people across um, London. And then uh, the next night, um, when he finds out that this has happened, the doctor from the hospital tries to uh, figure out what's been going on. He goes up to the town of Yorkshire, and nobody will talk to him, but he thinks that the man may think that he's actually a werewolf. So they they talk about it, and he tries to convince him to come back to the hospital. He doesn't. He turns into a werewolf again. He goes into a theater and murders a bunch of people. And then when the police come, he gets trapped in a corner, and she tries to save him. She tells him she loves him. And he starts to snarl at her, and a bunch of police officers shoot him. She starts to cry. And then he dies, naked there in the streets of London. The end, finito, that's it. So that's what happens in the movie. Interesting, um, the, the storyline that was come up with. But that's it. That's what happened. He goes to, he goes to England. He becomes a, a werewolf up in Yorkshire, comes down to London. He turns. He gets killed. End of story. That's it. Back at it with you here. What did I love about this movie? Now, American Werewolf in London is a very interesting movie. Um, first of all, the, des- the design of the film, the cinematography is fantastic. Well, you start and the hues are muted. They're really toned down, so it's dark, it's gray, it's ugly. And in Yorkshire. Now, Yorkshire is in the north of London. It can be quite rainy. Although, if you ever watch the, the TV show All Creatures Great and Small, it's a celebration of Yorkshire. And it's bright and it's chewy and there are moors, but they're not so damp and ugly. They're just beautiful. And the same thing can be said about this. This show, this movie, is taking the other direction. We're going to see dark and ugliness and this area is supposed to be sort of claustrophobic even though you're in wide open spaces you're supposed to feel like you're alone in the windswept moors of northern england and when they're out there and they start to walk one you already know something's going to go bad even though the name of the movie is an american werewolf in london you know things are going to go bad just from seeing the visuals that they're showing of the windswept moors and david throughout the movie He goes through this journey where he keeps having these hallucinations. He sees himself running, he sees himself chasing animals, he sees himself eating stuff, he sees himself killing people. He also has this really weird visual of him getting attacked by masked men with these wolf masks, which is confusing, but the masks are good. But uh, he he gets attacked and his girlfriend gets attacked. Uh, It's very interesting how they do that. Also, 
the visual effects, they're practical visual effects because obviously this is 1981, so it's before CGI. But the decomposing of Jack, you meet Jack and he's got a couple scars on his face. And then, um, like the next time you see Jack, he started to decompose. So Jack tells him that he's walking the earth because he can't pass on until until the line of the the werewolf is killed and his friend is the last of that line and he can't pass on played by the terrific griffin dunn now griffin dunn is famous he was on this is us he was in a lot of different things a character actor um david naughton who plays david which I, I thought when I when I saw that the man's name was David Naughton, it was, I always wonder if actors who play somebody named after themselves, uh, if they are named after themselves because they couldn't remember that they were supposed to be playing a character, or if they were just playing an offshoot of themselves, like uh, like Joey and Joey and um, the TV show Joey. Maybe Joey Tribbiani couldn't remember uh, a different name. I'm sorry, Matthew. Um, Okay, Matthew LeBlanc couldn't remember a different name because he'd been playing Joey so long. But that's a good question. I would say that. I know that uh, Matt LeBlanc probably could remember a different name, but I'm pretty sure he'd gotten so used to playing um, Joey Tribbiani that he had decided that the show Joey was just going to be called Joey because that's what he remembered. But anyway, um, you can see early 1980s Britain and you get this juxtaposition of what Northern Britain is and what Southern Britain's like and how much more prosperous and more urbane and more uh, cosmopolitan Southern Britain is compared to Northern Britain. And the idea that the people in the North up in Yorkshire are sort of backwards and they're superstitious and they're scared and they're sort of just living on these outcrops, outcrops of, uh, of civilization. Whereas once he comes back to Britain, I mean, comes back to London, uh, it's much more urbane and the people are much more used to uh, things that you and I take for granted. And so, I mean, that's really a great illustration of what's going on. Now, David acts in a way that's a bit petulant, a bit childish, but I think that he really gives you the sense of somebody who doesn't know where his life is leading. And they're backpacking across Europe. They're very immature. They're in their early 20s. And I'm pretty sure they, that he and his friend Jack are not prepared for the world that they've entered into. Of course, Jack gets killed. And there's some great scenes of uh, the... The murders. Now I know this is a, is a horror movie technically, but the horror scenes are quite funny, and there's some great, like I said, the the um, the transition scenes and the scenes of the werewolf itself are amazingly done. The practical effects are really well done. So when he starts to change into an animal, it's very reminiscent of the movie. Uh, the movie. Uh, Thriller, not the movie, the, the video for the song Thriller, where the eyes change and his hands elongate. There's one scene where he's laying on the ground in Jenny Agatha's uh, apartment and his body starts to elongate and he becomes the wolf. And then the chase scenes, there's a chase scene that goes on in the London Underground where this guy, he gets off a train and he's alone. And it, 
I don't know if anybody else out there has been in a train station late at night. Like, uh, I'm from New York City, so, and sometimes you get off a train station late at night, especially in the wintertime, and it can be so dark and so forbidding and so cold, and you feel scared like somebody's watching. Maybe somebody is, maybe somebody isn't. But in this instance, he gets off the London Underground, and it's abandoned. And there's nothing to make you feel more vulnerable when you're just out alone by yourself. And it's the same sort of juxtaposition of the visual that you get when they're out on the moors in northern England, in Yorkshire. And it's the same visual uh, appearance. So when he starts running from the creature, he's all alone. There's nobody around. And this is pretty, like, right now, if you go to London today, every centimeter of London is covered by closed uh, circuit camera. Well, this is 1981, and ain't no camera, so no, so nobody can see what's happening. And then he gets to this uh, the wharf by the by the docks on the Thames, and there are three older gentlemen who are sitting there and they're fishing, and um, they look like they're hobos, and they let a dog go because a dog knows something is going on, and they get attacked, and they're vulnerable people. And a lot of times people like that aren't thought of, and which is very sad. But of course, the, the animal attacks. So when they cornered the animal in the movie theater, he killed a bunch of people. There's a great scene when he jumps out. He jumped through the metal door because he's a big, powerful werewolf. He jumped through the metal door. And the police officer, who didn't believe David in the beginning, who poo-pooed the idea that he could have been attacked by the animal, he gets his comeuppance, which is a great scene in the film, because the werewolf, uh, David Werewolf, jumps out of the door and bites his head off. <laughs> he just bites his head off in one swat, which I don't know is really uh, the, the way that man should have got his comeuppance, but that's how it happens. As he's sitting there, his head gets, his head gets bitten off. And... <laughs> The werewolf runs away. It's an amazing scene to watch. And that's what, what goes on. It's, he, he jumps out and David runs away. And they start to chase her. And at the very end, Jenny Agatha comes and she tries, she pushes through this, um, she pushes through this mom that is trying to see what is happening with the, with the werewolf. She pushes through. And while she's doing that, um, he's backed up and he's vulnerable. And you can see it in the eyes of the, the werewolf. And he push, she pushes through and she, she delivers this passionate speech telling David that she loves him, that she wants to help him. And she's crying and you can feel her emote. And you can feel the pain and the struggle in her voice. And David does not recognize it, and he gets killed. And it's a denouement. It's 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 the moment where you go, oh, this is exactly how it should have ended. That David was irredeemable from the moment he got bit up on the Yorkshire Moors. And Jenny Agatha gives a bravura performance in that moment. And it's almost like she's acting in a completely different movie. And she's giving all her soul and the animal cannot give back because it is no longer human. And this is where David has lost his humanity. And it's an amazing performance. And when you see David lying there um, dead from that hail of bullets, um, 
it can really, it really tugs at your heartstrings because she could not save him. And that's the end of the movie. And it closes to black right there. Uh, it's a good, it's, it's, it's a really good scene to end the movie. Back with what I didn't like about this movie. And when I start to think about what I didn't like about this movie, there is a lot of stuff. Let's begin with the fact that he starts out and they're in Yorkshire. And Yorkshire is a good 400 miles from London. Up in the Yorkshire Dales, it is a long way. And when he gets attacked and David gets killed, he there is they take him to London, which is... I know London is the flashy name, and London is the place that everybody knows, but there are so many cities with medical facilities between Yorkshire and London. Like, you could go to Leeds. You could go to Birmingham. You could go anywhere in the Midlands. Anybody who's ever spent any time in Britain goes, why the hell does he end up in London? It's a very weird dynamic. Like, it, the, it, the story, it doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't skew. I know that I'm nitpicking, but in the end, it doesn't skew. It doesn't work. Like, why is he all the way in the south of England? I know this is the metropole. I know that is the big city, and everybody knows where it is. But it really should be like a, a American werewolf in Leeds. It really should be. Or Manchester. But just anywhere between London and, and the Yorkshire Dales. It just doesn't make sense. Now, he gets to the pub. And as I'm watching David in the pub and I'm watching Jack, first of all, like, it is so, when you watch the scene, shout out to Rick Mayo, God rest his soul, um, who's in the background of this in this movie and who's in a couple of scenes and you go, is that, is that Lord Flashheart? Uh, that's a Black Adder reference for anybody who hasn't seen Black Adder, uh, or uh, or let's, let's let's just say one of the greatest early '80s TV shows of all time, The Young Ones, Rick from The Young Ones. But he's in the movie. But they get there and they're acting so quintessentially British, and they're acting like cartoonishly British, like they're bluff and they they don't make they don't really talk and they play darts and they're just. And their rough Yorkshire accents, and they're insular, and they're sort of little Britners. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. What's happening in the early '80s of um, Northern Britain, although people might like to think so, but they're there. Um, and when they get attacked and he's brought back to London, he meets this nurse. And having been a nurse in my life, the way she is acting would lose her her nursing license. The way she's staring him in his eyes, the way she's inappropriately talking to him. There is a code of conduct uh, in any hospital you work at that you can't date a patient. Not to mention, you can't invite him back to your house and it'd be okay to come stay with you. It is one of the most ridiculous things. Not to mention, she is obviously approaching 30 and this is a young man with a low level of maturity. So then I start to worry about who this nurse is. Like, where's her professionalism? Where's her professional standards? And why would she ever be attracted to this young man who obviously has psychological, if not, if he's not a werewolf, he has major psychological problems. 
and he will cause chaos in your life. And for her to fall in love with him um, is also extremely strange. She brings him back to her house and she tells him she's had seven lovers, which seems like a very strange um, thing to say, especially when they weren't talking about sex. Obviously, she's sending him signals and she sleeps with him. And I'm not really sure what she gets out of this relationship. He's penniless. He's in a country he's not from. And other than him being exotic, he is very strange and he's having delusions and she is willing to take that on, which either says she's self-destructive or she's a really bad judge of who she should involve with, with in herself. There's also the point that there are parts of this movie that it seems like people really are acting in a different movie. Now, when he first turns into a werewolf, he runs out into the into the apartment. First of all, nobody hears him as he howls and screams and cries. There's no policeman that walks by. None of the people in the apartment building hear him. None of that. And somehow he escapes the apartment without any damage to the apartment. He's a wolf, remember? A giant wolf. He doesn't bust down her doors. He doesn't break the windows. He doesn't um, jump out one of the, the back windows. Somehow he gets through the house and does not injure the house whatsoever, which again, doesn't really make any sense. And when he starts attacking people, the first people that he attacks is this couple who want to make a joke on one of their friends. And they're as Wodehousian, or Woodhousian, I should say. As you can say, you could see Bertie Wooster and Madeline Bassett sort of idea, where they are just, oh, we're high class, and we giggle, and we're going to play jokes on somebody, and it'd be a lovely jeep. And it's a ridiculous scene. And when he attacks them, uh, you know, they die quickly. Not particularly easy, but they die quickly. And then the guy who they were going to prank, he comes out, and he's, you know, a mandarin from the civil service, and he's as buttoned up as can be, and he's upset that he has to even go look for these people, and you kind of get the feeling he deserves to die. Then you get to the scene where the three tramps are killed, and they're in a different, completely different movie. It's not a sort of 1930s uh, uh, regional art sort of thing. They're in a downtrodden, poor, lower-class part of town, and they look like the guys who Eddie Murphy gives the money to and coming to America, and they get murdered just because they're out in the elements trying to stay warm. And that's a completely different movie. And then you get to the scene where he kills the guy on the subway. And that guy's in a completely different movie. He's in a talk thriller. All right. And he's being chased down. And finally, he succumbs to the inevitable and gets killed on the escalator. Although he lays on the escalator and sort of lets himself get killed. He doesn't try to like run any further, which is a very weird thing. And you get really get this idea when he's in the theater and Jack shows up one last time. Jack shows up and he starts bringing these people, these people who have to walk the earth until the werewolf bloodline is dead. He brings them all to the theater and the couple will sit next to him and they're trying to convince him to kill himself. And the couple will sit next to him. They're again in that one scene. They're all playing like they're in a completely different movie. Now, this was directed by John Landis. 
And John Landis, a very famous director, I'm not sure he had gotten his directing chops down when he had made this movie because the couple, the couple are, uh, the couple are just still giggly, even though they've been killed and murdered. They're still still giggly and laughing. And the man who got killed, <clears throat> the man who got killed in the subway, is dark and he's angry and he's like, "Shoot yourself!" And they're coming up with all these ways. And if you remember, John Landis directed things like Animal House, which, well, wow, is before this movie. Uh, the Blues Brothers, Amer uh, Trading Places. <laughs> That's where he got the three guys that can. And he directed Trading Places, um, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America, uh, Black or White, the Thriller video. John Landis did a lot of movies. He's very, very famous director. But when I watch this, I'm not sure that he gave them specific instructions that they should act like human beings would act. And in the end, there's a in that scene you see exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to mix the comer, the horror and the comedy, and I don't think it necessarily works that well. Um, this movie is a little disjointed, and you get to the end of the movie, and it just ends. It's almost like the end of The Sopranos. It just cuts to black. There's no falling action, which leaves you. I understand people like a climax. People like something big to happen. But without the falling action behind it, backing it up, it leaves you empty. People want some sort of catharsis. They want an end. And when you cut to black and you just end it the way he ended this movie, just like you ended, ended the Sopranos TV show, it leaves people disjointed. It leaves them wanting more. It leaves them dissatisfied. You need the rising action to get to the climax, and then you need the falling action. Without the falling action, you are just left without anything. And that's just basic story structure. And I know that these people obviously know story structure, but for some reason they decided to end this movie. And it's a bad ending. It really is. It just cuts to black, he gets killed, and you're left wondering what's happening, what happens, and how they deal with this issue. And you get none of that. It's just... He's dead, she's crying, and they're going to go back. The rest is just going to go back to the tragic story of these kids, these two kids, who American kids who died in England when they were trying to back pack across Europe. And that's it. And it's sad because it really could have ended a lot better. Now, I will give you the ratings of this movie. Uh, it was rated 8 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, INDB gave it a 7.5 out of 10. That's a 5 out of 5 in the common sense media uh, score. Uh, that's a really high rating on those this movie. I think that the budget, they stretched it as far as they could. I think the story is very simplistic and has almost no, no nuance. And I just don't think it's a really good movie. Uh, if you, Unless you feel like watching a sort of B-level schlocky uh, horror flick, which can be fun, um, I wouldn't particularly recommend it. Now, of course, as I always say, watch if you want. Don't blame me if you do. But that's my thoughts on American Werewolf in London. Now, if you like what you hear, please like, share, and subscribe. And um, please like, share, and subscribe. And... Tell your friends 
please leave a review on whatever podcast you listen to this on or on YouTube. I would like to hear from anybody. And if anybody has a movie they want to talk about, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at lostmoviemadness at gmail.com. Again, that's lostmoviemadness at gmail.com. And until next time, watch if you want. Don't blame me if you do. Bye-bye.